Welcome everyone. Today on The Digital Animal with uh, myself, Junior Lombard and uh, Jonathan Vonker, we are going to be talking about failure. Yeah. How to identify it, how to um, grow from it, how to embrace it, how to celebrate it, um, and how to what you do it. with it. How to avoid it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think when we, when we grow up, we, we, we told that failure is super bad, especially in our education system. Looking at going through testings and exams and reviews that uh, failure is bad and it's, it's something you try and avoid. But I think, uh, I think it's con- uh, completely the opposite. I think failure is, is a fantastic thing. I think failure is essential to what you're going to be trying to create in life. And it's something that we need to, we need to identify and celebrate. So why don't we start out with uh, personal worst failures, biggest failures of our, of our <laughs> lives? Worst failures, biggest failures. Um, it's a big question. I think one of the biggest for me was uh, when we had to restructure our current business a few years ago. I think that was, that was a big failure, but also one of the most necessary mm. in our business. Um, Personal-wise, I think one of the biggest failures that, that I've had um, was not identifying opportunities quick enough. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, that's, that's life. You, you learn how to do that um, as you go along. And that's, when you, that's, that's what failure teaches you. Right. Um, not being able to express myself with certain people. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, that, that also was big failures. Um, I th- and I think, you know, uh, personal failures, it's, I didn't have massive life-changing things where I, I don't know, hurt someone physically or something like that some massive addiction some, that you had to some massive know, addiction pull yourself back from the brink kind of thing or, yeah well right. not yet life is still young owner, yeah <laughs> as a business owner you never know what's going to happen <laughs> right yeah so let's let's dig down then into a a personal failure that led to some kind of uh learning or or, or um advancement in who you were sure um so i think when, when I finished college, um, I went back to Botswana and I, de- I decided that I'm going to try and make it here in, in that country. Because I grew up there, it was home, and I decided, cool, I'm going to try and put my roots down here because um, I, I just knew everyone there. So I think personally, I shouldn't have gone back to Botswana, mm-hmm. but it was such a critical year in my teachings that I wouldn't be where I am without that, without that year. And that year was all about growing as an individual. I just finished college. Um, I tried my, my hand at a few businesses, that, which all failed. Um, I was trying to do things in the country that, that wasn't right for that time. You said free Wi-Fi was the, uh, the big gambit. I was, yeah. There was a business I was trying to provide free Wi-Fi for the public spaces in Botswana. And Wi-Fi, people were still using featured phones. So the, the, there wasn't really a need for a lot of Wi-Fi. Right. Only a select few people. I actually remember trying to provide free Wi-Fi to the airport and it took me nine months to get a no just to try and provide free Wi-Fi to people. Oh, man. <laughs> it was a very frustrating year. So if you'd done that, what, five, ten years later? It would have been a different story. Yeah, if you'd been the first to the market with that kind of, if you had the technology and the yeah. idea and all that. Wow, yeah. So, yeah, that year was a big, a, a big failure in a big sense, but it was a big success because it taught me a lot and it showed me a lot and it propelled me into what I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so personally, I, uh, you know, if I, in hindsight, I, wouldn't, um, I would have stayed in Cape Town, but I actually needed that. Right. I really did. Yeah. So tell me about the, the business restructuring. So you, you tried to restructure the business, it didn't work, and then you went back or you tried something else? What, what happened there? So a few years ago, we... We came up from, uh, you know, we, uh, myself and Eugene, we started, uh, well, I merged with Florence back in the day, about five years ago. 
and we then had this idea of building an agency. And we then, um, Eugene left to Nigeria and I was given the keys to the castle in mm -hmm. a sense. And I was tasked to let's build this advertising digital marketing agency. And we started hiring individuals, started trying to get new business. What year was this? Sorry to interrupt. Which year? Yeah. Uh, it was about 2017, 2018. Okay. So still yeah. fairly Not into the, the digital world had developed yes. quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't early days. Exactly. So yeah. we went out and we started hiring individuals. We had an office. We had this, this idea of what an agency should be. And we just went to populate. And it just got to a point that our hiring processes wasn't right. We hired the wrong people, uh, a lot of toxic individuals. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it just didn't work out the way it should have worked out. Um, and I think that was one of our biggest mistakes is not having a proper hiring process and also not having a proper uh, you know, business dev process as well. We were so busy trying to manage clients currently or problematic clients, we didn't look at acquiring a lot of new clients. Right. Um, so it just got to a stage that we had to restructure because, and restructure is a, is, a, is, a, is a nice fluffy word for fire everybody. Right. And reposition. Okay. Was yeah. this one of the situations I've encountered quite a few times in advertising? There's a lot of retrenchments where someone's job becomes, there's a different title to the job or it, the specification becomes different. And that's kind of like, unfortunately, the only way for a business owner to change anything yep. without f falling afoul of South African labor law. 100%. Um, so it was necessary for the business because if if we had to continue the way we're continuing, the whole business would have crashed and burned. Would right. been, it would have gone bankrupt right. 100%. So it was a failure, but we identified it that it needed to, it needed to change and we right. acted on it. So the restructure happened and it was 100,000 times the necessary move because... Mm that catapulted us into what it is now at the moment. Right. Um, it was the w worst day of my life to restructure. Um, yeah. It wasn't wasn't fun because it, you do become quite a family. Mm -hmm. But from that restructure, so much good came from it. Right. Uh, a lot of individuals that were part of the agency that were, in a sense, uh, collateral damage, went on to create their own businesses because we actually helped them do that. Right. Um, and we went from an agency with a lot of employees uh, in the wrong kind of uh, way of doing it to a complete outsourced model right. where we were able to control our expenses control what was coming in and restructure to that point. Sure. You yeah. almost need that flexibility of, of, of like hiring a new employee is a terrifying thing. I imagine like when you get someone on because anyone can perform in an, an interview and in a couple of 100%. Kind of meetings at first, it's like, as you say before, it's like a relationship, you know, people can fake it until a little while down the line. Um, and I've, it's always been, I've always simultaneously admired and, and kind of been disgusted by the American style of like, I don't like your face today, you're fired. Yeah. You know, and that's, I don't know whether those, that's technically correct, whether what the labor laws are there, but I, in South Africa, it's, it's like, it's very difficult. Yeah. There's a whole huge process. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and it's a mission. And I, I've only seen companies basically go around it yeah. saying like, we're restructuring the whole company. You can apply for your jobs if you want, or yeah. these new jobs that we're creating. And then basically the people who are in charge are like, they're looking for the two or three people who actually work mm -hmm. and then everyone else is they're not getting in there, you know? 100%. And there's a, there's a right way of doing it and a wrong way of doing it. Sure. So once you identify the problem and mm -hmm. to fix it, we obviously, we wanted to do it the right way. We mm -hmm. gave everyone about two months notice. Mm -hmm. uh, the individuals that, that were leaving, some individuals did stay. We identified those and individuals that we wanted to work with. 
So I talk about the, the restructure quite a bit because it was a pivotal moment in our company mm. um, that we needed to shed this old skin right. to grow into the agency that we are today. Yeah. And um, it was such a, such a turmoil um, part of our business that it's, you, you didn't really see where it could go after that. But it was right. completely necessary. Right. So, so it was kind of like inhale, yeah. keep walking kind 100%. of thing. Yeah. And we helped individuals. Um, obviously, doing it is not great. It's like pulling out a thorn. It hurts, mm. you know. Uh, but then you heal from it. What were the, um, the errors in your hiring policy that you kind of identified later? Not having a proper probation period in place. Uh, not vetting the individuals correctly. Um, and is that a, a technical vetting, like calling references and yeah. looking into their history, or is it not just references, but criminal history? Oh, really? Uh, that bad? You have to you have to go really as deep as you can. Okay. Because when you hire someone, it's not um, it's it, it's very difficult to try and to get rid of them if they are the right, wrong wrong kind of person. Sure. Um, so it is very. This is why you know South African labor law is so difficult to, and a lot of people do just stick to outsourcing because of the labor law. Right. Um, but you know, if you do hire right, most amazing decision you can make. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so you restructured into the agency that you, uh, you know, that you currently have. Flance is a full service agency, and then connect, and then there's a big part of it that's LinkedIn marketing as well. Yeah. Right. And since then, since that restructuring, has it has it gone in under any other changes? Um, the restruct obviously COVID hit, but COVID was was actually the catalyst to what it is at the moment. Mm. Um, we, it's, it's actually quite funny when we did the restructure. We we actually were positioned so correctly for COVID that we were lean, mean. Mm. We had a small office. We even downsized our office. We cut all our expenses down, and we were able to move and maneuver quickly. Right. It was quite a phenomenal thing because as soon as COVID came in. We didn't have the overhead that a lot of companies had. Right. We were remote as well. A lot of people were remote. It was outsourced, and we were able to adjust and pivot quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. and the fact that you work in a relationship marketing primarily on LinkedIn, uh, imagine all these companies, all these industries suddenly can't meet each other. They can't exactly. press the flesh, and they can't fly and travel, and you know have those lunches, and then they still need to keep in touch. They still need to communicate. So yeah, I mean. My experience of, of every week I meet you, there's new clients and you're growing almost too quickly. It's, it's yeah, and that's another thing that we need to control is the growth. Uh, if you grow too quickly, you can topple over, hmm. um, especially when you are self-funding and this is a, a bootstrapped company. Right. You don't have, um, you know, external investors coming into it. So cash flow and growth need to be controlled very, very scientifically. Very, numbers matter. Right. And my partner, Eugene, will... Will will contest to this that uh, numbers, numbers, numbers all the time. So he's he the he's the numbers guy. He's the numbers guy. Okay, in yeah. every kind of agency partnership I've ever seen, there's one there's one guy who's always shaking his head and you know <laughs> putting his hands in his his face in his hands, and then there's a creative guy or there's yeah. the the extrovert essentially. One hundred percent. Yeah, the yeah. ground taker. One hundred percent. It's it's exactly like that. Um, yeah. Quite phenomenal. Okay, so those were kind of two examples of, of failures on your side. Um, on my side, uh, what I've picked up from you in our conversations is that you're, that you think in terms of, of, of business of this, this world of infinite clients, you're never, you're not worried about losing clients because there's always more clients around the corner. Yeah. Um, you can reach out anywhere across the world and find them. Um, whereas I've come through the advertising industry, which is like, is in the best case symbiotic with the client and in the worst case parasitic 
And failure is to be avoided at all costs because in an agency situation, if you lose a client, you lose your job or someone's going to lose their job. Yeah. If you're the creative director and you lose the big client, then, you know, three or four people minimum are going are gonna to take a hit. So there's a lot of pressure to not fail, um, which can lead, unfortunately, down the road of kowtowing, doing whatever's required, never questioning the clients. And then, you know, a couple of months later, they turn around and say, you never challenge us or the work is boring. I know exactly what you mean, Jonathan. Uh, failure and losing a client, a lot of agencies, a lot of companies put a lot of emphasis on do not lose a client mm. because, you know, that will mean a, re- a loss in revenue. Now, our agency is a bit different. When someone starts with us, um, I say to them, firstly, this is a space for you. This is a safe space for you to make mistakes and to fail. You are going to fuck up for a lack of better words. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You're going to make mistakes. You are going to lose a client. It's the first thing I say to them. You sure. are going to lose clients. Right. So don't worry about it. We will fix it. Mm-hmm. Everything's fixable. Just don't make massive mistakes that you can't fix. Right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people that come in, I say to them, we are gonna, we're gonna, this is a space for us to fail forward. Right. Because you have to fail to, to grow and you have to fail to learn. Yeah. So don't go and try and fail. Don't go and make it your mission to make mistakes and fail. But just know that it's inevitable. It will happen. Mm. But the key here is to own it, to acknowledge it, and to learn from it. Sure. If you don't own it, it's not gonna, you're not going to learn from it. Right. There were a number of, you know, there were a number of times when I was in my, my big agency stint was the Jupiter Drawing Room for about four or five years. And uh, the management there was actually fantastic about if you made a mistake, then they were like, cool, let's move on. You know, they know you feel terrible. And let's just carry on, you know, and there were, there were pitches that might've been lost or, um, or typos that might've gotten into things and then cost a whole bunch of money to reprint that that has happened. Um, but I think they understand that it's the cost of doing business and the, the cost of not having that attitude is that people are terrified to try anything new, which is poison to an agency working in the creative advertising. 100%. And even on things like LinkedIn marketing, personal branding, you know, if you don't, take a few chances if you don't try something new, then uh, especially, for example, being vulnerable is very important in personal branding. And I've seen a lot of that on LinkedIn is, you know, people telling stories about like their, how their parents' death pushed them forward or changed their attitude or whatever it might be. And if you don't, you know, tell those stories, then, uh, then you won't connect with people. That's it. Personal branding is you have to be raw, real. You have to be a human. Hmm. And human failure is part of the whole journey. Right. Where we are at the moment, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be able to walk if you didn't fall down. You know, it's mm. it's it's part of our our makeup. It's part of our. We have to we have to go through it. So a lot of the times when we help clients in personal branding services, we ask them to to talk about their failures, to celebrate it, to uh, to identify, to show the world that you aren't just this robot behind a, behind this company, but you're a human. You actually have gone through turmoil. You've gone through these mistakes. But what have you done to learn from it, to grow from it? And that's the most important thing. There's someone who doesn't incorporate their failures as a narcissist. And uh, and no one really wants to work with that kind of person. And if you end up working with someone who believes that they are infallible, you'll quickly realize that you don't want to. You know, they're, yeah. they tend to be assholes, essentially. Sure, sure. I think um, the – and I'd, I'd like to just go back uh, to where this whole failure – concept of mine came from when i when i was very young my uh, one of the best pieces of advice my dad gave me was start a business before you start a family 
Right. And I was like, I always wondered why he said that to me because he said it to me all the time. Hmm. And only later on, uh, I had a discussion with him before he passed away and I asked him, what does that actually, what did that mean? You know? And he said to me, when he started his business, he already had a full family. He had three kids he had to provide. And it didn't allow him the, the space to make the essential failures or take the essential risks to propel him into where he needed to be. Hmm. He was always risk adverse because he had to feed a family. If he made a, a very bad risk, it would have meant that he wouldn't be able to feed us. So his business never, never became the business it could have become because of that one fact. Right. And he said, if you want to be amazing at business, you want to build a big business, start it and make the failures before you have a family. Right. Yeah. I've actually seen about, I think yesterday I saw on LinkedIn, someone had posted a story that was like that same idea, but let's ratchet it down to like a 20 something year old. And the post was basically a person talking about how you see a lot of advice from, of, from people saying, you know, just drop what you're doing and follow your dreams. Like if you're not happy, just change streams and do a new thing. And he was talking to a, a colleague about it. And the colleague said, I've never had money. I don't, can't take that risk. I can't just drop what I'm doing and follow my dreams because I'm supporting, say, my parents or I'm supporting a child or whatever it might be. And, and they don't just have that space. So it's like an issue of privilege, essentially. Yeah. You know? it's and when it, you're younger and you don't have a family, that is the privilege to be able to just, you're probably earning more money than you need. So you can invest it in something and you you can't fail people, really. I think that's why it's so difficult. And I'm not saying don't start a business when you have a family. I mean, that's mm. I'm not saying that. But I'm, what I am saying is your your ability to take risks and um, adapt from those risks. Because when you take a risk, you'll either succeed or fail. Yeah. Ma- majority of the time, you'll probably fail in the beginning. And you have to you know take calculated risks uh, to a point and try and you know cha- challenge that 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 kind of perception all the time. Yeah. So I, I do say to everyone, start a business. You have to start a business one day. Yeah. Uh, it's the only way that you can achieve financial freedom uh, correctly, quickly. quickly. Um, and, you know, it's, it's entrepreneurship is an amazing thing to go through. But, I can't, yeah, it is quite stressful, not going to lie. Hmm. But it is amazing. And everyone should try and start a business sometime in their life. Um, a lot of people don't want to, and, and that's okay. It's not for everyone. But if you do have a family, you do want to start a business, just do it. Don't not, don't not do it. Um, but just know that your risks, uh, you are going to be always thinking about your family all the time, which, sure. is, which is normal. But with that, um, you might be a little bit older. You might have a bit of a bigger, better runway than if you were younger. Mm. You might have a better network. So what I suggest for a lot of people that want to start businesses, look at starting it on the side. Do it in your free time. Do it on the weekends. Do it um, mm. at nights. Build up your... Uh, your side hustle to a point that it can become a full-fledged business. Yeah. Because that way it's not a complete stop and start type of thing and start building a network that can help you with that business. You don't have to take these, a lot of gurus out there say, you know, quit and start something. You don't have to do that. Yeah. You you can do it quite strategically and systematically to a point that you are taking calculated risks, you have that runway and you can get your feet into something that will help you propel. Hmm. I think... Everyone reacts to failure differently. And just to jump back onto kind of like a personal uh, story, my biggest failure in my life was, and I've only actually talked to, I think about four or five people about this. Um, So I was 19, I just finished high school and my brother had gone overseas to England to do a gap year, essentially student teaching at a, a little school. And uh, I followed in his footsteps, went to the same school, 
was a student teacher there. And about seven months into that, I got fired. Um, the principal called me in and he said, look, it doesn't seem to be working out. You don't really seem to have passion for this. You don't seem to be enjoying yourself. So I think it's best if we pay you off for the next couple of months. And then after the summer break, you know, like you, you go and go around Europe and then go home or whatever it is you want to do. And, and that totally destroyed me. Like I was in tears at the end of the meeting, like I was 19 years old, so I didn't really know how to deal with that. So getting fired was uh, kind of cataclysmic to me, but what it did is it pushed me forward through university, through advertising school, and then into my early jobs. Like I was driven by this, this fear of that ever happening to me again. You know, everything, everything we are at this point of time in our life is, this, is the decisions we make. You know, the way we, we look at failure, the way we appreciate it or not appreciate it, um, that's all part of the journey. Hmm. Life's a journey, you know, and it's, it's not to say where you are at the moment, if you're successful or not, or what, then again, what is success? You know, a lot of people determine it in different ways. But I think what we should do is if you are experiencing a big failure, look at the lessons, look at what you can learn from it, because it could be that one failure that will turn into a massive success. Learn how to celebrate it as well. I think when we, we don't celebrate failure enough, I think we, we, we look at failure and it's, this is ingrained in us since we, from, the, from before our time, you know? Mm-hmm. If you did something wrong, it would mean life or death. Failure was life or death back in the day. Sure. If you ate the wrong thing, you would die. Yeah. If you did the wrong thing, you probably would die. Mm-hmm. So it's now at this point, yes, you know, we can still make those failures, but I think it's, a little, it's quite a bit less than what that was before. Yeah. Um, we, we're quite safe in making, you know, make, have a space that you can fail safely. Right. I think that's, you know, you, that's what you need to try and achieve. Yeah. Sure. The, um, uh, there all, look, there's also quite a few, there's a, it's a cultural thing as well. Whereas if you look at kind of, for example, China's standardized testing, where a couple of points either way makes a difference between whether you get this job or that job. And, and Asia's got like a lot of, Japan's got a similar system where, um, testing is very important and that's why they're so focused. I mean, the memes of like, of, Asian parents being pressuring their kids into always getting an A and you're going to be a doctor and you're going to be a lawyer and all that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, Western culture is a little, has maybe by right of privilege has become a little bit like, oh, just explore and, you know, mess up a few things and find your way. Whereas maybe if you don't have that space to fail, then it's like, get this right now because otherwise we're all in trouble, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I can see this, you know, growing up. I had friends that um, had very strict parents that didn't allow them to experience a lot of life and be put into situations that they could make their own failures. And it's, it's unfortunate to say that a lot of, a lot of them aren't uh, where they wanted to be because they're scared of making a lot of failures because they were always in this position that they weren't allowed to fail. Hmm. With ourselves, my father and mom couldn't care. Uh, they're not saying they weren't lo- uh, they, they were completely loving parents and they're amazing, but they gave us autonomy to make mistakes right i remember my dad saying do what you want just don't die just (laughs) otherwise i will kill you (laughs) (laughs) so go and do what you want go and experience life just know i'm here for you the net is here for you Uh, and a lot of people don't have it unfortunately but just go and experience it and make mistakes because you will make mistakes and just know how to deal with them right so when it comes to like running a digital business as opposed to a tradition a traditional business what are some of the ways the advantages that digital has in allowing you to fail for example if you post something stupid on your linkedin you can delete it 
I think being a digital business and a, re- a complete remote business does give you a lot of space to to pivot, to play, to be flexible. Hmm. Um, as a business, you must try and be as flexible as possible. Uh, a lot of businesses that have massive fixed overheads can't be flexible. Hmm. And if they want to make a, a decision or a drastic change, it takes a lot of a lot of time, and they they probably might not be able to do that because of certain certain things. And a lot of companies, unfortunately, have to have that. But right. as a digital business, we are quite a nimble, nimble uh, uh, entity. Right. Yeah. So large companies, like I've worked for a couple of, of big companies where failure is absorbed into the budget, essentially, because yep. it can't be cut out. Whereas I guess with your model, if you're outsourcing, if you're outsourcing talent and someone isn't working out, you can go, cool, your contract is expiring in the next couple of months. So we're yep. done here. With clients, you can say, we can get other clients actually. So thanks very much. Yeah. And even to the, you're not sharing, um, you're not sharing space with anyone. You're not sharing uh, those, those hard costs. So, so in terms of personnel and, and clients, you've got flexibility. What other kind of, of freedom to fail do you find that you have in, in your company? Another thing that I found when running a, a physical agency, and there's a lot of, a lot of benefits for running running a place where you have all employees come together and be in the same space and have this creative thinking and, and, and whatnot. But also there's a massive negative to that. You're in everyone's space all the time. There's space to have certain relationships sour. There's, there's space for gossip. There's space for toxicity. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that a lot when we had a physical agency where people, one person might have had a bad day and said something to another employee, then they just start fighting. Right. You know? Being a completely digital agency, I've seen it completely change. Right. It's positive. People support each other. Uh, they're in their own space. If they don't want to speak to people that day, they don't have to. Sure. Uh, there's also very little space to have negativity. If you do see negativity, you can cut it out quite quickly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just like if you have a bag of apples and one apple is rotten, it'll infect all the others quite quickly. But if you have bag of apples that are spread across the house mm-hmm. you're not gonna <laughs> then you're good then, then, you're, then you're really good you're not gonna have it infect the others so yeah yeah it's a massive positive for us being a complete remote agency because we get to focus on what we need to achieve right and everyone has their own personal life and we do try and uh, get together so now and then but to be honest it's it's about what we're trying to achieve together and build it sure and i just have found it super positive it's been yes. amazing yeah it feels strange in our culture to say, I don't want to hang out with, I don't want to be a part of an office culture. But, you know, with, with Ping, like when I eventually hire an editor who will take, like that's the, the most schleppy work that I'd want to outsource. Like I don't want someone sitting next to me for it. And, um, and I don't want to actually generate a work culture. I want to be like, you're a professional. You're doing your own thing do the work and send it back and be rad. And that's all I want. I don't want to exactly. like, do pizza Friday and think about doing quiz nights and pizza kutcher sessions and all that stuff. Like exactly, it feels juvenile. Like you're treating people like kids, like you have to take care of them. Yep. Whereas when you work with freelancers, they're either professional and they do their job and they're awesome or they're not. And then you don't work with them again. It's great. 100%. Failures only become uh, useful if you learn from them and you have to identify what you did wrong, how it went wrong. And what you can do differently next time to change that. Hmm. I think that's that that's key. Look at what look at the the whole schedule of events of what of what happened to that point, and then just try and see what you can do differently. Hmm. Not saying you have to get it right second time because you'll probably fail again. Sure. Um, and it will happen. I mean, this is what I say to everyone: if you're going to start something and you have an idea, it's probably going to be a failure. You have to just have that in your mind. It's probably going to fail. Hmm. But just know that your 
10th try is probably going to be a massive success. Sure. So just know that every failure is just that extra little bit of step to that success. Yeah. We, we get taught this in sales all the time, the numbers game. You know, every 10 calls you make, you get one sale. So you know that every call you make is just that extra step closer to a successful conversion. So it's just in life, you are going to fail. And if you know that it's going to happen, just prepare yourself for it because it's inevitable. Sure. Yeah, good advice. I think we've, we've waxed eloquent on the, uh, the topic of failure here. I think if there's any piece of advice to go forward, as you say, is like learn from it. Exactly. And I think that's also, I mean, consistency is what, 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 what kills that small failure. Hmm. Because if you, if you just look at that one thing and you fail, you're like, oh, I'm not going to try again. Then you have failed. Right. But if you're consistent and you do it every day and you just learn from that, you turn that failure into a massive success. Thanks very much for that, uh, for the chat. Yeah, it was Rapper. epic. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, it's been a fantastic chat here with Jonathan. Really look forward to the, the, the following episodes. We've got some great um, interviews lined up. If you have any stories of failure or any lessons that you've learned, you can go to speakpipe.com forward slash the digital animal and you can drop us a voice note and we can, uh, we'll address it in the next episode. Any particular insight that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear it. So please get in touch. We, we want to chat back to the audience as well. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. The Digital Animal Podcast is recorded and mixed by Jonathan Vanka and produced by Ping Productions. 